0: Me to Jeremiah chapter 10, Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. And, um, hey amen. I'll put it up on the screen as well. Um, when, it, when it comes to the Word of God, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, maybe it doesn't mean all of that, Pastor Mark. I mean, are you sure? Are, you know, are you taking it too literally? And you have to remember that. Man, every, God, every word that God has spoken, every God word, every, every word in God's word, every word that God has spoken to us has been with precision and deliberation and, and um, is to be taken uh, seriously and literally. And, and, of course, within context, I don't mean that. Um, but we've been talking for some time, and I guess there's an element in this in, in just about every message that I preach or lesson that I teach is is you know, the way God created us to live and and um, you know understanding life as as the designer and creator you know intended for it to be lived and um, you know a lot of times we come to God with with problems and, and issues, and don't misunderstand me he He will help you with your problems and your issues. He loves you, but he's also wanting to help us understand that there are things that are beneath the surface that we may not can readily see that, that keep causing these things to crop up. You know, do you understand crop up? Crop up's like when something you know, grows up out of the ground. Um, Pam has some flower bulbs you know, planted around the yard, and man, them things have not just popped up, but they're blooming now. You know. uh, in the winter, you're just like, where in the world she plant them things? You know, where are they? And um, so a lot of things in our lives are cyclical or seasonal and um, so much so sometimes that we know our own patterns it's like well here we go again sometimes we we say that and so the answer to to the long-term success and victory in life that that god has for all of us to live is for us to ultimately understand the way he created us to live and 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 the life that that he has it would be like the creator or inventor of anything um, you know, they know what that creation, that invention, um, is is designed to do. I've been known to watch a few of This Old House episodes in my day, and um, and and those guys, Tom Silva, and, and all those guys are standing around, you know, and and they always like to try to bring in some kind of tool that nobody you know had to figure out what the tool is for, some unique thing, and um, and a lot of times I you know I, they stump me most of the time, you know. anybody ever seen that part of the episode, you know? And, and, um, and, of course, when you find out what the creator, inventor, designer of that tool had in mind for its function, for its purpose, and, well, then I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense now. And, um, and so a lot of times when it comes to life and living, you know, it's almost offensive to people. It's like, dude, what do you mean? I'm 50 years old. I know how to live. Do we really? I mean, are we, are we making it up as we go along? Is this the best that we can figure out up until this point? You know, because I'm telling you that God's ways are different from our ways, but the good news is they're also higher, meaning higher in a better sense, in a better sense. Now, this passage, I've already put it up on the screen, so some of you are already ahead of me reading it, but it says this in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So what this verse, of course, is speaking of is that we were created to be in fellowship with our Creator. That He is the one who is to direct our steps. That He is the one who has the the secret, if you will, the mystery, if you will, to the way of life. Um, He has the instructions. Maybe we we could say it that way. And, And I'm cautious to say that because... Maybe some of you are like me. You you get something and you open it up and you take the instructions and you throw them over your shoulder and you try to figure it out, you know. And I think that's almost reflective of the way that a lot of people live their lives. They just kind of toss the instructions aside and just go bullheaded, you know, into it to try to figure it out. And that leads to a lot of frustration and a lot of error and a lot of wasted time. So there are instructions and, and our Father has them. And it's the way that He created us to live. So for instance, in Proverbs, He says to trust in God with all your heart, don't lean to your own understanding. That one part right there to me is one of the hardest things. To me, not leaning to my own understanding is more challenging than trusting in God with all my heart. As a matter of fact, the moment that I start... Trust leaning to my own understanding the way I think it should be, the way it looks, seems, or feels to me, that's the moment that I stop trusting Him. And I start trusting in myself again and trusting in my own ability to, to, to figure it out. So He says, don't lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Notice, in all of your ways, seek His ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. He will order your steps. So do you see how that passage coincides with this passage. So we're talking about something that's not in us, but that we need desperately. And so if it's not in us and we need it desperately, we've got to find a source for what we need, right? In the same way that you need food, and if food's not in you, you need to find a source for that food outside of you to bring it into you, okay? So this is why, for instance, the Bible says you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So in the same way that you need bread because you know it was in you at lunch, but now it's supper time, or it was in you yesterday, but it's not in you now. We, we need that constant source of food coming from outside of us into us because it's not like we're born with this thing that just automatically feeds us every, every day. We have to find the food and take in the food. So in the same way, You weren't born with the way of of God for man inside of you. You have to find that from God, from the Creator, from the Designer, from the outside source, and allow Him to bring it into your life. This is why the devil's tried your whole life to keep you from ever hearing anything your Creator had to say. It's why the devil's tried your whole life to to present this book to you as at best boring and and at worst irrelevant. In other words, having nothing to do with you. When it has everything to do with you, because the way of man, the way for you to live, the way God created and designed you to live, the way to live a victorious, successful, prosperous, meaningful life, beautiful life, is found in God's Word. This is why we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of His mouth. So the Bible has a lot to say about this this word, way. Um, There's a way that seems right that leads to death. Teach me your ways, O God, that I may live. God says my ways are not your ways they're higher than your ways God says broad is the way that leads to destruction narrow is the way that leads to life and then it concludes of course with the culmination or whatever the conclusion of Jesus saying I am the way simply meaning he is the example he is the way for us to find the truth that leads to life there in John chapter 14 now There's a couple of things that this verse means, and I I know we've been on it for a few weeks, and hopefully we can wrap this part up and move on to something uh, else in in the days ahead. But there's a couple of basic things that I want to make sure you see in this verse. And the first one is that if we take this verse for what it says and what it means, then it means that we are, in essence, clueless, when it comes to the way to live the life that we were created to live. We were clueless. Now, this may be hard to come to terms with, but I'm convinced the sooner that we come to terms with it, the better. Because as long as we think that we know and we don't, we're not just wasting time. We're, we're traveling in the wrong direction. As long as we think we've got it figured out and we don't, then we're just spinning our wheels at best, but more than likely we're losing not just valuable time, but valuable ground. So there's something very, very important, and we covered some of this in a different way in class on the subject of righteousness, but there's something very important for us to finally come to the conclusion that we can't make ourselves right, no matter how hard we try. And the sooner we come to that conclusion, the sooner we're ready to call on the Lord to help make us right because we can't do it ourselves. And in the same way, the sooner we come to the conclusion that we don't know, even though we've tried and we don't, you know, we, we've done a bunch of different things and none of it's really worked out. Um, but if this verse is right, the way of man's not found in him, nor is it our, um, you know, in us uh, who walks to direct our own steps, and we begin to allow our Heavenly Father and Creator to, to, to direct and help direct our steps for us. So the first thing I want you to see then is that if this verse means that we are clueless and if you think that you know something when you really don't, that's called deception. That's called deception. And um, I thought I was right before and it only turned out later to be that I was wrong. And I don't ever want to think that again. I don't want ever, ever, Lord, Father, God, and Jesus, Holy Spirit in heaven, Word of God, all the angels, please, anybody that's listening, you know what I'm saying? I mean, don't ever let me be wrong again and think I'm right at the same time. I mean, that is, that is we often talk about the sweet spot of life here, but that's, that's the devil's sweet spot in your life. When you, when you believe you got it figured out and you couldn't be more wrong, that's when he can do the most damage and destruction in your life. If I could kind of shotgun you with a few verses right quick, okay, just back to back to back. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 says, If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. That's one of my life verses right there. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. Nothing nothing worse than a know-it-all, right? Nothing worse than a know-it-all. I went to lunch with Pam today and a lady had on a t-shirt. It says, "Um, certainly your opinion matters, just not to me. (laughs) I was like, well, okay. You know, you're wondering. I mean, I didn't know this lady. But, you know, sometimes you think, I don't know if I'd want to get to know her or not. You know, that's the way she's, you know, just presenting it all to the world right there, okay? But no one likes to know it all. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. You see that phrase? He knows nothing, or at least he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. John chapter 3, verse 27. John answered and said... A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Later in James it says every good gift, every good thing that you've ever had, have right now or will have in the future in your life has come down from God. It's it's in your life because God has given it to you. And so notice... You know, they were talking about John receiving this and John receiving that. And John's like, listen, you don't understand. You, you're so confused here. Anything that I've received, I receive because it was given to me from heaven. And a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So you know what he's saying here? He's saying that you don't have anything unless God gave it to you. You, any, you don't have anything good unless God gave it to you. Now listen, you say, well, I don't even believe in God. Well, he believes in you. He believes in you. And the Bible says that He causes good things to come into the lives of those who love Him and those who don't. He's just good that way. John chapter 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus speaking here. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Now I'm not trying to beat you down tonight, but As long as we think we can do something without Him, we're deceived. As long as we think we have something without Him, we're deceived. As long as we think we know something without Him, we're deceived. Without Him, I know nothing. Without Him, I have nothing. And without Him, I can do nothing. But I'm not without Him. I'm not without Him. I confess most mornings of the week something I started two or three years ago that my life is not my own to do with as I please I've been bought with a price that I am the clay and my heavenly father is the Potter that he is infinitely more to me than Potter and I am infinitely more to him than clay meaning what meaning he's my father and I'm his son Meaning, he's my creator and I'm his creation. You understand what I'm saying? Meaning that I am one with him and he's one with me. He's infinitely more to me than just a hand on my life, shaping and folding and forming and, and making me. But he's infinitely more to me than Father and I'm infinitely more to him than clay. But Potter and clay is where our relationship began. And if our relationship is going to remain healthy, I can never lose sight of that. He's the creator, I'm the creation. He existed for all of eternity without me. He brought me into the picture because He loves me and because He wants me. Amen. Amen. I love the way... Uh, I forget their names now. Amen. Praise God. But basically, they said, we said it at, at Easter. It was part of the Easter message that I'm not even the main character in my own life story anymore. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be because I wasn't created to be. God is number one, you are number two, and the angels are number three. Any other order than that is going to lead to misery in your life. If you try to be number one, you weren't created to be number one. If you try to call your own shots, you weren't created to call your own shots, and it's going to lead in misery, lead to misery. If you try to be number three, meaning you put something between you and God that doesn't belong there, it's going to lead to misery because you weren't created to be number three just like you weren't created to be number one, you were created to be number two, number two, amen, God, you, angels, and everything else, amen, amen. So, do you see the pattern develop in the passages that I read? Know nothing, have nothing, do nothing. So, if we do not have the way to live the life we were created to live, this makes us dependent upon someone who does, and that someone is our Creator and Heavenly Father. Now, I want to, you probably got this already, but I just want to leave no stone, at least as far as the stones I have in my. Pocket tonight unturned. So let's just go with this for a few more minutes. Can we? You good? Get anything out of this? This truth then speaks to the heart of our subject beginning, I guess, sometime in January. That we must live by faith. That we must live by faith. Now, I know some of you thinking that we left that in the dust. No, 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 no. All these sermons the last couple of weeks have been a part of this bigger study. So, the Bible says the just shall live by his faith, meaning the faith that God gave you. You've got to learn to live by the faith that he gave you. I can't live by your faith, you can't live by mine. That doesn't mean we can't pray together, believe together, join our faith together to see God work in both of our lives. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes right down to it, you've got to learn how to live by your faith. Now that word just there, there's lots of different ways to translate that. And the simplest way is is this. Those who have it right, those who are right, just and right. We learned in class that those two words are, are virtually synonymous with one another. So when it says the just live by faith, he's talking about the ones who are right. There's lots of ways to live your life on planet Earth. But the ones who have it right are the ones who have learned to and are living by faith. Jump over into the New Testament. Of course, that passage is repeated multiple times throughout the Bible. Over in the New Testament, he says that we walk by faith. And that word walk just means the way you go about it. We walk about, we go about, the way you go about life. He says we go about it. The just shall live by faith, by his faith, Then he says we walk by faith, we go about life by faith, not by sight. Not by the way things look, seem, or feel. So many times we let the way something looks, seems, or feels override what God has already said. What God has said is the way that leads to the truth, that leads to the life that God created you to live. Now, since we don't have that way... We're going to have to get it from an outside source. Which means we're going to have to use faith that what the outside source, capital O, capital S, is telling us is correct. Let me break it down for you a little further, okay? If I don't know how to do something, whatever, I mean, I just, amen. If I don't know how to do something, I have three options. Are you ready for the three options? The first one is don 't do it if i don 't know how to do it, then don 't do it now i don 't know man, maybe it 's just my personality, but i 've wow, you know what i 'm saying I mean i 'll just start sawing holes in the floor, you know what i 'm saying I mean I I just wade into it. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you're like that, but hey, amen. It's like I don't know how to do it, but it's the first time for everything. So here we go. But so, but you know, I mean, some folks are a little more reserved. But your first option, if you don't know how to do it, is don't do it. The second option is to try to figure it out by yourself. The third option. Is to listen to and learn from someone who does. Now, tonight we're talking about living life. So that makes option one not that attractive, right? Not living. Not living. So This basically then leaves us with two options. Keep making it up as we go along. But remember, we've tried that. We've tried that, and it's gotten us nowhere but places we don't want to be. Or number three, listen to and learn from someone who does know how. But this requires something very important from you and me. Trust. Right? Trust. If you don't know how to do something, but want to do it and can't figure it out by yourself, the only option is is for you to listen to and learn from someone who does know how to do it, who does have the way to do it, who can show you how it's to be done in a successful, victorious way. But if you're going to benefit from that, you're going to have to trust that person that what they're telling you is right. And when it comes to God telling you what is right... Many times what He tells you is right is so foreign to the way other people on planet Earth are going about it that it doesn't seem right, it doesn't look right, and it may not even feel right. So again, this is where trust, also known as faith, comes into play an extremely important role in our lives. Remember, faith is a victory that overcomes this world. That doesn't just mean because you got faith, you rise to the top. It means you use the faith you've been given to listen to the One who created you to learn how to do life the way He intended for it to be done. And by doing life by faith the way He intended for it to be done, you will rise to the top in every situation. All right, so let's use a little different example. Let's say I'm trying to get to a specific place. This time I'm not just trying to do something I don't know how to do. I'm trying to get to a specific place. And I have no idea how to get there. It's in my notes, but it's it's all caps. I don't know the way. See, there's that word again, right? I don't know the way. So again, I've got three options, choose not to go, strike out on my own and hope I find it eventually, or I can choose to listen to someone who not only knows the way, but has been there before and can show me how to get there, not just eventually, but precisely. Let me, let me talk to us all for a minute, okay? God's promise to us, even as far back as the Old Testament, is that He wants to restore us, even, you know, restore us physically, restore us financially, restore us mentally, restore us emotionally. There's a lot of people in this room that and listen to me now we've all made bad choices don't misunderstand me we've all made bad choices but there's also a lot of people in this room you're the victim of other people's bad choices stuff you never signed up for stuff that you didn't volunteer for stuff you didn't choose You didn't choose to be raped by a relative when you were a child you didn't choose To grow up in a home where father was abusive and just a jerk or whatever. You you didn't choose all that. And so things were stolen from us in both cases. Consequences from bad choices we made but then things that we never asked for but other people chose. And so people sometimes want to ask the question, well where was God? We have to remember Satan is the god of this world. But if you will turn to him, he wants to restore to you what's been taken from you. As a matter of fact, the principle in Scripture is seven times if the thief is caught stealing, he must repay seven times. Seven times. Seven times. The Lord told me in a very, very difficult time in my life, He said, he said you need to keep your attitude straight through this. You, you, you need j- to just follow me very carefully through this. He said, and in time, I'll make it up to you. There were some people that I had submitted myself to, that I had given myself to in ministry, chewed me up and spit me out. Now, I'm not asking you to get your violin out me I'm just telling you and I didn't think I'd ever stand in front of another group of people and matter of fact I had desire to at that in that moment I was done with the ministry I was gonna be a businessman I was gonna give money to foreign missions and help people who never heard Jesus and I didn't think I'd ever do what I'm doing right now ever again in my life and the Lord told me he said you just you just keep it I, I don't go into all the detail what he meant but I, in other words I could have destroyed I I'm not saying that bragging. I don't mean physically. I just mean I could have destroyed the people and the church and the leaders that did me that way. And I, I, I knew that it was wrong and I wasn't going to do the old eye for an eye thing. So that's when I say, just keep your attitude right, he said, and I'll make it up to you. And I'm telling you, he made it up to me. My brother had a, had a word of prophecy for me leading up to that moment in my life. And he said that the, because I had built the Lord's house, that the Lord was going to build me a house. Well, I just thought, you know, I've always wanted to buy some property and build a home, you know. And so I thought that's what he meant. And I thought, well, praise God, and, you know, one of these days, me and Pam, the kids, we'll build us a house and, and so forth. So I had no idea that he meant this. No idea that he meant this 20 years ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or what started 20 years ago. So he's wanting to restore you. Stuff that we brought on ourselves, Jesus took it upon himself so you wouldn't have to bear it in your body anymore. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore relationships. For those of you who have been absent from your children's lives for extended periods of time, He wants to restore those relationships. I mean, you heard Todd say that's right, because God's done it and doing it in Todd's life. And lots of others. But we've got to learn to trust what Father is telling us, because His ways are the ways that lead to life. His ways... Are the ways that lead to prosperity. His ways are the ways that lead to success. His ways are the ways that lead to victory. His ways are the ways that lead to restoration. She's like, "Oh, pastor, you talk all the time about restoration. God ain't never restored anything for me." Well, are you are you walking by faith in His pathway of restoration? Because if you are, and you and you will continue to do it consistently, He'll He'll make it all up to you. I don't know how He does it. I'm just telling you, He's done it for me. One of the ways is He overwhelms your life with so much goodness that those negative things don't hang over you anymore. They're distant memories at best. Oh, sweet Jesus, we love you. If I don't know the way, I can choose not to go. I can strike out on my own and hope I find the way. Now, I said all that about restoration because I don't care if you're 10 years old in here tonight, 5 years old in here tonight, or 85 years old in here tonight, or anywhere in between. We don't have another minute to waste. I mean, we, you know, you keep on doing it your way, and... Maybe get a few dollars in the bank before you retire or keep on doing it your way and, you know, maybe finally come to some place of at least some kind of contentment in life, you know, where at least, you know, things aren't killing you anymore and you can fight and struggle and maybe find sobriety and, you know, figure out a way to keep yourself clean and, and uh, but why? Why? I mean, again, when, you know, the, the, what's the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's why my father called it the straight and narrow. Yeah. We think straight and narrow like some kind of military, you know. No, straight and narrow to get you there as quickly as possible. Instead of you trying to beat your head against the wall and maybe get some amount of success 15 years from now, he wants you to have success 15 seconds from now. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. Last passage. I want you to, I want to go back to our first passage, and then i want to go to one more, okay? Because I want, to point, I want to make a connection. We've got to make a connection, okay? Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. It's not in man who walks. He's not talking about homo sapien, you know, upright walking. That's not what he means. He's saying it's not in man who is in motion. It's not in man who is living life 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours a day. It's not in man who walks. It's not in man who's going about life to direct the own his own steps to order the steps of his life. Right? So what's the point? The point is this. We're walking but we don't know where we're going. We're walking but we don't know how to get to where we want to be. We're walking without any real sense of where we came from, who we are, or where we're going. So with that, look at what he said in Psalm 82. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth, are unstable. Not in man who walks to direct his own steps. What, what is he saying here? He's saying that the way of man's not in him, but yet we just keep on forging ahead. We just keep on plowing ahead. We just keep on grinding, and we'll we'll go and we'll go and we'll go till we can go no more, till it grinds to a halt, and then we'll. Try another direction, and we'll go, and we'll go, and we'll go until it grinds to a halt, and then we'll go, and we'll go. We just keep on keeping on, right? And here's the sad thing about it. The world will tip their hat to you for that. The world will talk about, man, she's got gumption, you know. Ain't no quitting him. (laughs) It's like, well, yeah, but that's not what life was really meant to be. They walk about in darkness. They don't know, they don't understand. But they just keep on plowing ahead. This is where we get these statements like "Han Sats 2020. <laughs> Meaning what? Meaning we look back and realize how dumb we were. We look back and realize how foolish that decision was. We, we look back and realize what we should have done different. That is not God's way to teach you. I mean, you can get a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks, but that's not his best. And again, we don't have any more time to waste. How about this? The entrance of his words gives light. (laughs) The entrance of his words, they give light you see how those two verses connect? Oh, praise God. Stand with me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You get anything out of this? Father, as we stand before you, we first of all say thank you for your word and for your truth. Father, we say thank you for creating us and for calling us. Father, we say thank you for giving to us your word and thank you, Father, tonight that your words have been heard and received in this room. Father, great resistance, great resistance the enemy brings to try to prevent us from ever hearing your word. But Father, he has lost tonight. We have stomped resistance in this house tonight. And your words have been heard. Your truth has been heard. Father, we boldly confess before you, Lord, it's not any kind of false humility. It's just the truth, and the truth sets us free, Father. Without you, we know nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we have nothing. But, Father, we're not without you. We're not without you. Now, we don't know how to take the next step without you, but you're here to help us order that next step. We don't know how to make a right choice, Father, and 10,000 books or more have been written on how to make good choices, and yet, Father, we still don't know how to make good ones. Because the bottom line of it is, Father, if we're making them without you, we're not making good ones. We try to put ourselves in the number one slot, make our own decisions, call our own shots, and we weren't created to do it, we're not smart enough to do it, we don't know enough to do it, never will know enough to do it. So teach us, Father. Show us. Thank you for every man, every woman, every child, Lord God, in this building tonight. Thank you, Father, that you are writing your words, your truth, on the tablets of our hearts. And Lord, as we allow you to do that, you are rewriting our life story. I thank you, Father, that you are are a God of restoration and you are restoring us because you are showing us your pathways that lead to restoration, Father, not the pathways that lead to more destruction, not the pathways that lead to more loss and misery, not the pathways that lead to more pain and wasted time, not the pathway that leads to an inferior life, Father, but your pathway your way, Yahweh. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here. Hey, if you can help set up for the picnic, 8.30.